Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 48 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is the manager of the ROH World Champion, Roosh, the ROH World Television Champion, Dragon Lee, and the ROH World Tag Team Champions, Dragon Lee and Kenny King. That makes her the first manager in ROH history to have all of those titles in her stable. She is the diamond diva of La Faccion and Gobernable, Amy Rose. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. It's such a pleasure to finally be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I heard you say the word finally there because it has been a while. <laughs> and um, I'm, let's just get this out of the way right at the beginning here because it, it came to my attention recently that, I don't know, another podcaster apparently is trying to stir up some heat between us, insinuating that I, you know, somehow disrespected you by not having you on the podcast earlier. But obviously, you know, uh, no disrespect was intended. We've always been cool. It's just, it's just timing. Um, and, and for the record, uh, before I heard about this, uh, podcaster stirring the pot, uh, I had already planned on inviting you. So just so you know, it had nothing to do with, with, uh, stirring the pot and then me inviting you, you were already invited. Perfect. Well, I appreciate it. And I think like you said, it's all about timing. This is perfect timing right after we won the tag team championships. I couldn't think of a better time to have me on. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You've never <laughs> been hotter than you are right now. I mean, LFI is the, you know, with all due respect to the foundation, I, have, I think you have to say right now, LFI is the number one undisputed faction in Ring of Honor, arguably the, the whole industry. And obviously, you're a big part of that. What, what's it like for you working with those guys in LFI? Obviously, you, you know, you go, you go back, uh, you know, a ways with Kenny King, but now being part of LFI with uh, Rouge, Dragon Lee, and their father, Bestia Del Ring. Um, I love working with them. I couldn't ask for better teammates. I couldn't ask for a better faction because we're at the top. They're the best. They, they time and time again prove why they're at the top. And I really, they make my job easy. Uh, we help come up with stuff together. We come up with some strategies, but at the end of the day, it is all thanks to them and all the hard work they put in. They're, they're incredible athletes, and I'm beyond proud to be part of La Faccion Ingobernable. I have to ask you, though, where did you get that badass uh, mask that you've started wearing since you became a member of LFI? Um, I actually had a good friend, Sancho Jr. Shout out to him. He makes really incredible masks. Yes, he actually made Kenny's mask as well. Um, and also... Uh, someone from MCW, Ryo, trained at the dojo with me. He, he was actually the one that helped me come up with the design for the mask. So big, big shout out to them because they made my vision a reality. And I absolutely love that mask. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that everybody in, in the faction has a mask. Obviously, Dragon Lee uh, does not remove his once the bell rings. 
uh, everyone else does. But uh, yeah, I think that's very cool. When I saw Kenny come out with one uh, and then you come out with one, uh, it, it's pretty cool. Um, I want to ask you though, just sort of a broad question though, about being a manager. Uh, is, that's what you always wanted to do in this industry, correct? More so than anything else is you wanted to be a manager. Is that right? 100%. Um, you know, when I first got into this industry, uh, as a kid, obviously, you always have the dream when you're, when you're involved in wrestling. Most of us, anyways, are, are dreaming of being a wrestler, being a superstar, a diva, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, I, I for me personally... I always was drawn to the idea of being a valet, a manager, coming out to the ring and being able to be part of a storyline, be part of, of the match, but not necessarily go in there and physically be involved. So that was always my intention. That was always my goal. And when I actually first started training at Team 3 the Academy, that's where I put all my focus into. That's, that's actually how I decided to sign up for the school. Okay. You know, you mentioned the word valet. That's, they don't even use valet anymore, do they? Like, is that kind of an outdated term at this point? Are there still valets? I think, I think for some people, it definitely, they consider it an uh, outdated term. But I actually prefer the term valet. I think, you know, manager's cool and all, but there's something, at least to me, uh, exclusively female about being a valet. And I, th I find that word more appealing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, it has always been... Um, you, you see the females associated with being a valet, not a lot of, you know, I'm thinking like sensational Sherry Martell was clearly a manager, but there haven't been, you know, I think to your point, there haven't been a lot of females who identified themselves as managers. Definitely. I, I 100% think, you know, even women who are managers, I think a lot of them tend to go with valet just because that's how you start out. Um, but the more you get experience and the better you become at it, then I think, yes, you might graduate to how you guys say manager. Right, right. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, like I said uh, before, like sort of a, a broader question with being a manager. Um, you know, I've, I've done some managing myself on the indie, so I have my own thoughts, but I wanted to obviously get your thoughts. The philosophy or the psychology of being a manager, there's a lot that, I think there's more that goes into it than people would assume, right? Because you, your job is to add to the match and to add to the people that you're associated with, um, not take attention away from them at the same time. So it's kind of like a delicate balance, right? Especially when you're around the ring. 100%. I think a lot of people don't realize the, what goes into being a manager. I think a lot of people think, especially as a woman, it's just, oh, you're just a pretty girl standing at ringside and you're not doing much right. um but that that to me is nothing that i've ever found interesting if if you're going to be out there and you're going to be at ringside i think it's always best if you're involved in some capacity if you're adding to the event if you're adding something to the story um just to, to be out there and not be doing anything it, it doesn't bring any value to the package i think managers can really add another layer to a wrestling match and make it so much more interesting and tell a more, you know, amazing story, just, just involve everybody. Uh, it, it adds a whole new level to everything. And there is a lot more pressure into being a manager because your timing has to be accurate. And if you, you go up too early or you do something, you know, that wasn't planned, 
you can mess up a match. You can totally take the attention away. So I think there's a lot more that goes into it than people ever realize. Oh yeah. hundred percent. There is a lot of stress. Again, this is from my own experience. When you know that you you have a spot and um, it's very, you know, it's an important spot and it, it's going to determine what happens after that. And like you said, it is all timing. And um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure to get that right because you don't want to be the person who, you know, messes up the match. So yeah, it, there's a lot more to it. Again, I think people sometimes maybe don't realize it when they see the person standing outside the ring that there's a lot going through your head uh, as you're watching the match and you're trying to remember, at least, at least with me, I'm trying to remember cues and, okay, what's the point when I do this and sweep the leg and you don't want to miss, right? There's all those things. Oh, 100. Mm-hmm. And you, I like just recently you had a, a, a big spot where Jay Lethal, you know, wiped you out. <laughs> so that's another, that's another yeah. part of the business. Big time. I think, you know, I think there's, it's, it's really fun to add those things in there. And, uh, you know, as a manager working throughout the Indies coming up, I've definitely worked with people that didn't know how to properly utilize a manager. Yeah. Um, but that's why I'm thankful for where I trained and where, where I learned most of what I did, uh, which was at Team 3 Academy, because they put a lot of focus on doing things the right way and on psychology and how to properly use a manager. And uh, I trained heavily, uh, you know, probably four times a week. I'd be going in there and managing three or four matches a night sometimes just because I wanted to practice and become the best manager I possibly could. And so it actually was fun because starting to work with people and especially working with people that don't have experience or just starting I was able to help them come up with better stories and help them with their matches just become so much more interesting. Right. It, it is all about the storytelling and the manager is another, uh, another tool to help tell that story. And especially for a heel manager, which I mean, honestly, it, you know, there are mostly heel managers in this business. You don't see a lot of baby face managers, although there are some, uh, but you're there to help get heat uh, on the guys that you manage. And there's all kinds of things you can do to get that heat. One thing that I learned was not like, as a well, right now we don't have any fans. We're doing empty arenas. Yeah. So there are no fans to play <laughs> to. But one thing I, I learned was, and this was just my inexperience in the beginning, was you want to get the, the crowd kind of riled up and, you know, you want to get that heat. But you don't want to do it too much where you're jawing with the, the fans or whatever and taking attention away from the match because the match is the most important thing. 100%. You said it right there perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you've done, uh, and I think you alluded to it, you've done a bunch of other things in wrestling as well. You know, you've had some matches, you've done interviewing, uh, you did some commentary, and you did some commentary recently, uh, which I thought was really good, where you were going back and forth uh, between Spanish and English uh, with <laughs> sitting in with Ian and Caprice. And I thought that was really good because it was kind of annoying, right? And that's what you're supposed to do <laughs> is be annoying. Your idea to do that, to kind of go in and out of English and Spanish? 100%. You know, you got to show what you're, what you're strong at. And I love my Spanish heritage. I love my Spanish background. I love the Spanish fans, you know. Um, so it's nice to include them as well. So that was, that was, for me, it was really easy. And I, I honestly, especially the match that I was doing commentary for, I was really just enjoying myself. 
<laughs> uh, I absolutely loved what they were doing. It was so fun to watch, you know, what they were doing with Flip and kept throwing Flip in there. I, I definitely got a kick out of that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun for sure. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe not for Flip, but I think it was, a, it was a highly entertaining match. And like I said, I thought the commentary really added to it because it's just such a simple thing when you think about it. But like for people who aren't bilingual, what a way, that's what a great way to piss them off, right? Is to speak in a language they don't understand. So, oh, big time. People hate when I speak in Spanish because they don't understand anything. I think big thing that I used to see a lot on the comments was, what is she saying? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's funny. I love it. It is. It is. It's great. Um, you know, I took like three years of Spanish in high school and I, I can't speak a damn word, Amy. I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I hear that a lot. I retained, uh, I know how to say, como esta usted? That's pretty good. Eso está bien. Me gusta. Yeah. I learned that you, that after that, you say usually, muy bien, gracias. Y usted. <laughs> right? That's it. That's all I know. That's pretty good. That's okay. very good. I'm impressed with your Spanish. Well, thank you. I learned a few curse words as well, but we can't. <laughs> we cannot even, say those. No, no, no. I won't even curse in Spanish on here for, out of respect <laughs> for our, you know, Spanish-speaking uh, listening audience. Um, um, with the, with the commentary though, you seemed like uh, so comfortable doing that. Did you have a, or do you have a background like in public speaking or anything like that? Um, so, you know, actually before I got into wrestling, I worked in sales for a very long time, uh, specifically working in mobility and selling, you know, AT&T, T-Mobile, things like that. So um, it just comes naturally to me sometimes to be able to speak. And um, I also think just me personally, I'm a very ambitious and passionate person. Uh, so I definitely have to talk a lot when I would do that job. And I would have to convince people into believing whatever it is I needed them to believe uh, to close a sale. So I think, I think that definitely helped me. Yeah, well, again, that's perfect training for this because that's that's what that's what you guys are doing is trying to convince people uh, and and sell them on on a on a story. So that again, yeah, that was uh, I guess the perfect training for this. All right. So the other big news regarding you, and, and as we said earlier, you manage um, three champions uh, in Ring of Honor: the World Champion, the TV Champion, and the Tag Team Champions. But that, the other big news is a couple months ago you re-signed with Ring of Honor. So what is it about Ring of Honor that, that makes you want to uh, continue to be a part of it? And I know that, that you're very happy in Ring of Honor. Uh, so what, what is it about ROH that makes it, you know, the place you want to call home? You know, because that's exactly the word home. Ring of Honor to me is home. It's been my home for so long now. Um, you know, I've, I've dedicated so many years and so many blood, sweat, and tears into just even getting to where I am today. And to be able to say I signed with Ring of Honor again, like that is such a proud moment for me because, uh, you know, I started from the bottom. I, I started showing up to shows. I would travel out of my own way just to, to be at events sometimes to work my way into the roster. And uh, it, it makes me incredibly proud to be part of Ring of Honor's roster and to sign again. And, you know, it really has become like a family to me. I've known a lot of these people for so long now. I've become so close to them. They're my friends. You know, there's so many people on this roster that I genuinely have love for. And it's an easy decision for me. 
you know, I obviously there's other things out there and there's other opportunities and, and people have reached out to me, but it's, it just didn't feel right not to go in there and give everything I got. And especially after everything with the pandemic, how this company took care of us, uh, I couldn't think of a better place to be. Uh, very well said, very well said. And um, yeah, it's, I, I've talked about this many times on the podcast that uh, there really are great people in this company. It's, it's an unbelievable locker room. I see the camaraderie there. You know, I deal with a lot of the talent and um, you know, I've never, not to say who, I don't know everything that goes on, but just my experience, I've never seen a lot of the backstabbing, the cutthroat things you hear about in this business. Um, obviously everybody has an ego everybody's ambitious and do the best <laughs> they can, but it's not like I have to step on you to get to that spot. It's let's all work together and put on a great show. 100%. I think that's exactly right. You know, I, I feel very good. I feel comfortable going into work and I feel happy to, to see everyone. And I feel excited, you know, I'm excited for all the stuff we have coming up. Like every time we, we have an event, I'm pumped. I, I'm so happy to just be there. And uh, again, like coming from where I have started to be where I'm at today, managing three champions and being able to say I'm the first in Ring of Honor history to do that. Like it's such an accomplishment. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it's a testament to your hustle. I mean, and, and your work ethic, because like you said, I, I know that you were, you were, you were like, you didn't want to take no for an answer. Right. And that's sometimes what you have to do is like you said, you were, you were traveling on your own dime, showing up, get, you know, it was all about getting your foot in the door, getting seen by people, making those contacts. And then once you have that opportunity, just showing them what you can do. And I know that's what you did. I mean, you, you started off, you know, we saw you for a while ringing the bell. And we saw you there at ringside and it wasn't all that long ago. And like you said, look where you are right now with the number one faction in the company. So I think there's something to be said for having that determination and just doing whatever it takes, hustling and just refusing to take no for an answer. And I think, you know, obviously you have to have the talent ultimately to back up getting the opportunity, but making that opportunity um, you know, that's all 100% on you. So, you know, all that, all that hard work and hustle paid off, obviously, in spades. Yeah, definitely. It really paid off. And again, like, I really couldn't be prouder. Uh, you know, I think for a lot of people out there that want to pursue this, I think that's the best thing you can do is not take no for an answer. Keep trying. If, even if one door closes, another one opens. Like, always give your best. Yeah, there's no question about it. And and try to be good at a lot of different things, be versatile, which I know, like, I think, you know, we talked about, like, you did interviewing, um, you know, you had some matches, or you at least were trained, you could do managing, you could do, you know, emceeing or whatever, like ring announcing, right? Didn't you do some? Oh, yeah, I definitely did some ring announcing for a little while there. Uh, and like you said, I, I uh, definitely got into the ring and I stepped it up in that aspect as well. You know, being part of the dojo, it changed my outlook on wrestling completely, like 100%. I think before I got to the dojo, again, I was very focused on managing and in my own head, like I said, you know, that diva side of things. But being at that dojo actually taught me that there's so much more I can do. Right. 
Absolutely. Well, you mentioned the pandemic, you know, how, how well the company took care of everyone during the pandemic. And, you know, I couldn't agree with you more on that. A uh, big part of that is uh, putting people in the bubble when we have our TV tapings. You've been a part of all of the tapings since we did the restart, haven't you? Um, so it actually, the first two tapings were not, uh, I was not there. It was just okay. the pure tournament. That's right. Um, which, That's right. Yeah, I wasn't there for those two, but I have been ever since. So what has the bubble experience been like for you now that you've done a couple of them? Uh, is, it, is it old hat for you by now? Um, yeah, you know, it's pretty simple. I, I, uh, I actually don't mind being locked in a room for a certain amount of time. And um, I, I'm kind of like a introverted person at home anyways. I don't, I don't particularly go out and do a whole lot, especially living in Baltimore uh, compared to where I used to live. So uh, giving me a room and a TV with some video games, I'm happy. I'm totally fine. Like, uh, you know, I think for some people, they go a little stir crazy and it's tough, but uh, really it's not that hard. Was that a little shot at my hometown of Baltimore that I, I, I <laughs> um, no offense to Baltimore, but when you come from the beautiful city of Miami, <laughs> you uh, cannot compare the two. I, yeah, I guess that's, <laughs> was that a culture shock for you moving from, you know, sunny Miami to sometimes cold Baltimore? Definitely. And- yeah. And like yeah, um, Baltimore, maybe not as culturally, uh, maybe we don't, um, you know, maybe it's not quite the, I don't know. What's the word I want to use? I don't know. Maybe culture. Is that the right word? Maybe there's, yeah, I would say like a melting pot. It's, it's, there's a lot going on in Miami. There's so yeah. much flavor down there. And, and, uh, even, you know, there's so much food and the weather's beautiful and like every day just feels like paradise even when it's raining, I really couldn't think of a better place. Uh, so coming here was definitely not easy, especially driving in snow and ice. Uh, that was something I was not prepared for. So before you moved to Baltimore, were you in Miami like your whole life? Um, so I definitely was in Miami for the majority of my life. Uh, but when I decided to pursue this dream with wrestling, I did move to Orlando for about three years. And that's where I trained at Team 3D Academy. Um, So I did spend a good portion in Orlando, but, you know, Orlando really compared to Miami is not a huge difference. And it's funny because when I moved from Miami to Orlando, I would complain so much about being there. I'd be like, oh, this is not Miami. This is terrible. (laughs) Um, But here I'm in Baltimore and uh, Orlando seems fantastic now. So. (laughs) Well, you know what? I can I can live with you saying Miami and Orlando, you know, you would, prefer, you would prefer that to Baltimore. I can understand that. But when I had LSG on a couple of weeks ago, he tried to tell me that um, – or no, it was Cheeseburger. I'm sorry, it was Cheeseburger trying to tell – or the world-famous CB trying to tell me that New Jersey was better than Baltimore. Now, that I can't stand for. I can't, I can't stand for that either. I think no. he's out of his mind. Yeah, he's out of his mind on that one. Miami, <laughs> Orlando, all right, I give you that. Uh, the testing though, when you, cause I, you know, a big part of this, not just being in the bubble, but you have to be tested. What, like three times? Is it three times before the taping start? Yeah, it's about three times we test before we even go in, which I think is really great. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's something that stands above and beyond when I look at other companies and I look at other places, uh, even just in general. Uh, with their safety protocols, like Ring of Honor goes above and beyond to make sure that we're all safe. 
Um, and I never really feel worried about going in there. I feel good. I always feel confident that, you know, we're, we're doing the right thing. Some people might think it's too much, but I, I'm very grateful for, for all the precautions. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I mean, I would not say it's, it's too much at all. I think, you know, to your point, Ring of Honor is really kind of, uh, well, not even kind of, Ring of Honor has set the standard for, for this in, uh, in pro wrestling as far as taking the utmost uh, safety measures that you can take and really taking care of the talent and not just the talent, but the, the crew, the production people and, and everybody else. So yeah, to some people, it may seem excessive, but I don't think you can be too safe or take too many uh, precautions when you're talking about a, a global pandemic, because, you know, we shut down for five or six months. The idea is to keep this going and not have to shut down again or be in a So yeah, let's take as many, um, you know, let's make the protocols as, as stringent as they need to be uh the 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 swab up the nose though that can't be that can't be a pleasant thing um you know i think everybody has different levels of of comfort and how bad they think it is i really don't think it's that bad personally i haven't had it done i I haven't had it done so i can't say but it just oh really wow no i've i i'm not essential to be at these uh tapings so i have not been tested uh, it doesn't look real pleasant, but maybe maybe it looks worse than it really is. So I think it depends. Some people cannot tolerate it. Like uh, I've I've seen grown men almost start to cry, uh, which <laughs> that would is be me. A very which is very very entertaining for me. I love I love seeing some of their faces sometimes, especially when we do like a Zoom call and we have to get our <laughs> test done. Um, that can be very entertaining. But for the most part, like for me personally, I really don't think it's that bad. God, I would love to ask you who one of the grown men who who was like almost in tears, but I don't want to kill anyone's gimmick. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I don't feel uh, it would be in my best interest to, to release that information, um, but it is very funny. Unless it's Brian Johnson, and then it's okay to tell on him. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've never seen Brian take the test, um, but I'm going to keep an eye out for that next time. Yeah, please, because he's, he's a real jerk. <laughs> he definitely can be yeah okay. definitely definitely has his moments but you know i respect his hustle as well i do too i'm i i've i have to separate brian johnson uh you know the talented individual from brian johnson the guy who uh is just it, 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 he's impossible to be around <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean you, you've been around oh i know i definitely know <laughs> i'll just say this much you know i didn't uh it didn't make me like, I can't root, you know, I have to be impartial, but when Dragon Lee kicked his head off that, that didn't really bother me too much. I didn't lose any sleep. (laughs) Well, one last thing I want to talk about with the pandemic is, uh, right before we, it's been a year, right? God, it's been a year since we, we shut down. Uh, it was Vegas weekend, obviously in March, it was for the anniversary show and it was for past versus present. I know that you were there and now you were part of that big, like, let's go out and, and have one last night on the town, right? You were part of that group, weren't you? Well, uh, definitely. <laughs> was, that, like, <laughs> was it surreal? I mean, to, to, cause I mean, I guess Vegas, was it, when you went out, were the, were there a lot of people out too, or was it kind of like subdued? I can't remember. Um, like, I know I saw um, Mandy's video, but I don't really remember a lot about it. Uh, 
So, you know, it, it was right when everything was first starting. So Vegas was business as usual. It was uh, really crazy. There was people everywhere. Looking back on it, it probably wouldn't have been the best choice. Uh, but we didn't fully understand at that time how serious the pandemic really was. Right. Um, so we just went out. We had a blast. And I will say... Uh, I'm glad that we did because who would have ever anticipated that we would be out of action for so long? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. It blows my mind that it's been a year now. Like it's crazy to me. Um, but I just remember landing in Vegas and before we even got there, we were thinking, no, nah, there's no way the shows are going to get canceled. Like this is going to be fine. Uh, and we land and everything's canceled. And I remember because um, I was rooming with uh, Quinn McKay that weekend and uh, she, she never even got on her plane. They told her don't come. Yeah. And I remember thinking, Whoa, this is crazy. Like, what are we going to do now? And we had the option to go home, but a lot of us were just like, you know what? We're here anyways. Let's have a good time. Let's make the most of this. And it was honestly one of the funnest nights of my entire life. Yeah, I remember watching that video. It looked like you guys were having a blast. Um, uh, you and you and Mandy in Vegas. That's that's dangerous, right? That seems like trouble. <laughs> that seems like trouble. Hey, Mandy is a really fun to be around. <laughs> uh, we had a fantastic time, and anyone who knows me knows that I do enjoy a good party. I like to get lit. I like to have fun. Uh, I think, especially after shows and stuff, you just gotta you gotta unwind a little. You gotta have a good time. Okay. See now, you know, being an older guy, Amy, I don't know all the terminology. Get lit. Now, what is that? What is that exactly? (laughs) Does that mean like get drunk? A little bit, you know, have a couple drinks, have a good time. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm trying to keep up, Amy. I'm I'm trying to keep up with the the younger generation. (laughs) We used to call it getting faced, you know, S faced. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. I've heard that one. Yeah. 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 That's that's (laughs) probably better to say lit. All right, well, on that note, we're going to take our first break, and then we'll be back with more with the Diamond Diva, Amy Rose, right after this. This is the prestigious one, Joe Hendry, here to tell you about ShopHonor.com. That's the new location to go to for all things Ring of Honor merchandise. We've got an amazing selection with the prestigious Ring of Honor logos, but also we've got merchandise for all your favorite Ring of Honor stars. So go support the company, go support your favorite wrestlers, ShopHonor.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Honor Nation. Check out the new and improved Ring of Honor shop at shophonor.com. Shophonor.com turns ordinary online shopping into a truly immersive experience. Our new mobile-friendly design is enhanced for better navigation and search. The recommended for you feature will showcase products based on your unique preferences, or find exactly what you want as you filter any category by your favorite wrestler, size, or color. Go to shophonor.com now. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Amy Rose. Amy, let's talk uh, about your, uh, let's go back to the early days when you first became a fan uh, of pro wrestling. About how, how old were you when you started watching and became a fan of the business? So I'm not entirely sure exactly how old I was, but I have to think I was maybe like eight or nine, something like that. 
Um, you know, I, I definitely was a very small child, definitely still in elementary school. <laughs> um, but I just remember, uh, I grew up in a very religious household. And so, uh, it was a very strict and we went to church frequently. So it was like really hard to be a kid. And I think what really sparked my interest in wrestling was uh, one of the days specifically that we had to go to church was a Thursday. And I remember I would do everything in my power to get out of going. I'd pretend I was sick. I would pretend I was asleep. Then I couldn't wake up. Like I would do anything and everything to get out. Um, And every now and then it would work. So when my parents were gone, I'd sneak into the living room, I'd turn on my TV and SmackDown would be on. Wow. And I remember watching the Hardy Boys and Lita and that just like left such an impression on me. So we're talking, are we talking about the Attitude Era? For sure. For sure. Yeah, that wouldn't go over well in a religious household, I would think. (laughs) Not at all. Not even close. Nah. Uh, especially women's wrestling and the way women's wrestling was back then. Yeah. Uh, not cool with them. I remember them saying something along the lines of like, it was uh, against God to uh, wrestle and do anything of that nature, especially as a female. Um, so yeah, you know, I think uh, especially being a rebellious kid in, and wanting to, to break out of that, I, I definitely was drawn to wrestling. Well, I mean, and without, uh, you know, I won't get too personal, but like once you decided to do this for a living, was your family supportive? Um, did they come around eventually or did they, so, or no? Definitely. I think throughout the years we leaned away from that, you know, realistically my father is the only one that stayed in the church. Um, the rest of my family is no longer involved and it changed our lives. You know, it was, uh, it was, a very oppressive lifestyle. So I would say that the majority of my family is incredibly supportive. And even though my mom absolutely hates the idea of me being in a ring, wrestling or getting hurt, she does support my dreams 100%. So when you decide that you don't want to just be a fan, that you want to work in the industry, um, did you have a backup plan? Like, if this doesn't work out, you know, I have this to fall back on or was it just full, full steam ahead? I'm going to be in the wrestling business. Um, So, you know, I had a couple different things go on. Uh, I, back then when I was that kid watching TV and watching, especially the divas, it it really lit a fire under me. And I, I remember being that young and saying, I'm going to be a WWE diva someday, like being so focused on that. Um, and you know, obviously as you grow up, those kind of dreams seem childish or, you know, impossible to reach and you start working a regular job. And like I said, I, I worked in mobility for AT&T and for a lot of other companies. And I found that I had a really strong talent for that. Uh, you know, I became number one in the nation for the uh, AT&T for an entire year. I, uh, I was very successful. So I was, uh, I was doing really well. That was kind of my backup plan was, you know, no matter what, I'm really good at sales and I will be okay no matter what I do. Um, but I think the moment that really changed everything for me was uh, 
we had these comic book conventions down in Miami every year. It was called Supercon. And uh, I would go and I was a huge wrestling fan. I was a huge, I'm, I'm a total geek. Like I love video games. I love comic books. Um, so that was for me an outlet and it was a way for me to express myself. So I remember I actually went to the show dressed as my favorite wrestler. And at the promotion that was there, uh, they, they had a company that was wrestling, but people dress as superheroes. And I remember just going to the show as a fan and watching everyone perform. And two things that happened to me that, that really stood out and made me make the, the choice to jump from fan to wrestler was a performer in a mask, completely covered up, dressed as the character Deadpool. Uh, he went out there and he just absolutely captivated that crowd. He had everyone's attention on him and you couldn't even see his face. You couldn't see any expression from him whatsoever, but he was so good that everyone in that audience was behind him and it got me invested. It got me interested. Uh, and I was so like just drawn to his energy. I was like, wow, he's amazing. Um, and it's funny because that same person ended up becoming one of my trainers, which was uh, John Cruz or, uh, some people may know him, Serpentico from AEW. Sure. He he really stood out to me, and it, it, it definitely sparked something in me. The other thing was uh, there was a female wrestler that was performing that night who was a baby face, very friendly, uh, and I was so hyped just to see her and see women's wrestling in general in person and be there for it. Um, and, you know, she's going through the crowd and she's high-fiving everybody. And I don't know what it was about me, but she just uh, was not about it. Uh, and she, I remember she was high-fiving literally everyone. I put my hand out for the high-five. She goes over me, high-fives every other person. <laughs> and uh, it got me so heated. I was like, wow, all right, um, okay, uh, I see that. And I said to myself, all right, if that chick can do this, I know I can do this. Wow. So that's, that's great. I mean, like somebody left you hanging on a high five and that inspired you to, to do it that, went, to make I sure. 100%. It made me, made me go and make that jump. And I remember I stayed after the show cause they did a questionnaire. They were asking the fans like, Hey, if you guys have any questions for us as wrestlers, like, please feel free to stay and ask. And I remember I was first one. I said, how do I get into this industry? What can I do? Wow. Now, the woman who didn't high-five you, has anything, did she ever make it? I mean, you don't have to name her, but did she I won't name her, but she definitely made it somewhere. Okay. <laughs> she, uh... Okay. Well, I'm dying to know. You tell me later. <laughs> you don't have to say <laughs> I would love to know who that is. Um, Man, what a heel. She's supposed to be a baby face and she left somebody hanging on a high five. I can't believe that. Yeah, but you know what? I thank her and someday I will tell her that story myself and uh, I think it, we'll get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be great if one day you guys ended up in the ring together? Oh, I think it'd be hilarious. She'd have a receipt, <laughs> she'd have a receipt coming. <laughs> Maybe the code of honor, right? She sticks out her hand and you pull your hand oh, up. Not today, sorry. Not today, that's right. <laughs> So you said when you went to this convention, you dressed up as your favorite wrestler. Can I ask who that was at the time? 
Um, so it was AJ Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah, I dressed up as her several times. I had a ton of, uh, you know, shirts, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan. Yep. I, I cut them up just like she did. I got the wristbands and the the, the rubber bracelets. I went real hard with it. Like, uh, it was definitely a good costume. It got me a lot of attention and people enjoyed it. They They knew exactly who I was. Yeah, <laughs> a big fan of it. I was a big fan of AJ back in the day. So, okay, so that was, you talked about how you, um, you asked, how do you get into the business? So where did you, like, you didn't go right to the Team 3D Academy, right? You started somewhere so else first. I didn't. I, um, I did that. I stayed after the show. I asked how I get into this. Um, and, you know, they were very excited to see a girl like me wanting to get involved in wrestling. Right. Um, so they were like, what? You want to do this? Like, okay, sure. And it was funny because the people who ran that show and the people who owned the the promotion and the big convention that was going on they actually decided to open their own wrestling company uh they decided to open their own promotion ronin pro wrestling is the name of the company down in south florida and that's where i got my start they said hey uh we're gonna have you come in and try out to be an interviewer and we'll see how it goes so I came, I did an interview and I was so nervous. I totally bombed. Like it was not good. Uh, but the guy did teach me some valuable lessons on how to cut a proper promo. And they said, you know what, come to the show anyways, and we'll try it out and we'll see how it goes. So they had their big first event and the people running the promotion because of the convention world, they, they had a lot of money. So they were able to bring in some pretty big names and i remember uh being backstage and uh it was funny but i wa i watched this woman walk in and she had so much charisma and energy just walking and being normal and i remember being like who is that and it was sasha banks uh -huh. it was before anyone knew who she was it was when she had just first started at nxt uh, she still hadn't found the boss character, but even in that moment, like, uh, I was drawn. I was like, whoa, who is this? Like, um, and I got to meet her and she gave me so much, you know, she gave me a lot of encouragement. She was so cool. And then from that, uh, I was doing uh, autograph signing, helping out RVD again, like me, brand new, not knowing anything that's going on, just being in awe of like everything that's happening. And I think the moment that really like stood out to me the most was they said, all right, we're going to have you cut some interviews. Your first interview right now, you're going to interview Al Snow. And uh, it was incredible. He cut one of the most hilarious promos, albeit a little inappropriate, but one of my favorite memories. Um, and it was, it was nonstop from there. I started going to as many shows as I could. Uh, I was so just excited to be part of the industry and going to those shows and being part of uh, Ronin Pro Wrestling. That's where I got my foot in the door as a manager. I started working with this team. Uh, they had a manager, so it was two of us and she was kind of mentoring me and teaching me, you know, how did they do it? But what I noticed the most was a lot of people down there, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, were not trained very well. And there was people that were time and time again going in there and just killing it. 
They were having fantastic matches. You could tell they were trained and they all had something in common. They all came from Team 3D Academy. Ah, yep. And uh, that's when I made the choice. I said, you know what? This is fun. I like this. But if I really want to make this a, a career and I want to do this for real, then I need to learn the proper way. Because otherwise I was just thrown in, you know, fan to manager directly, no training whatsoever, just what I knew from watching. So I said, I want to do this the right way. I don't want to just go out there and have fun. Like I want to go out there and actually know what I'm doing and understand the matches. So, um, and again, you know, I think uh, John Cruz was a big part of that. He was down there and he was one of those people that really stood out to me and he was, uh, you know, the assistant trainer at 3D Academy. So I knew that I had to, I had to go. I knew I had to do something. I knew if I wanted to succeed in this, I needed to take that next step. Now at the 3D Academy, did you get much uh, hands-on training as far as uh, Bully Ray or Bubba uh, and Devon? Definitely. You know, Devon was there all the time. Uh, Bubba would come when he could, you know, he lives in, you know, not, he does not live in Florida, so he would come as much as he could, but every time they were there, we got the most and they helped us a lot. They taught me so much. And uh, I just remember even when I decided to go, I remember I, I completely intended to only go there and be a manager. I remember asking, Hey, I'm interested in coming here to, to learn and train. Um, but I really only want to train as a manager. And uh, they were like, yeah, that's fine. But when I came to do my interview, they were like, look, we know you want to do this and be a manager, but the only way you're really going to understand and be a good manager is if you learn to wrestle. What was your first thought when, when they presented it to you that way? Were there any trepidations on your part? I think definitely. I think I was uh, very afraid. I was <laughs> like, whoa, like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, this is uh, intense. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I said, they have a point. They're, they're where they are for a reason. There's a reason they're Hall of Famers. They've got to be right about this. And they were because I learned so much from being in that ring and from learning how to bump and time everything and how to prepare a match like uh i would say before i got there to after i left there i knew i was a good manager and i knew i felt comfortable being a manager because of everything i learned in that ring now i don't i don't know uh devon at all i don't know that i've ever met him but obviously i know bully ray i, I get the sense that almost like it's good cop bad cop and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it, all, it seems like Devon, maybe the nicer, for lack of a better word, Billy <laughs> Ray, a little more of a hard ass. Uh, at least that's the way it seems from the outside. Was that, was that your experience at the Academy? I think everyone has their own take on that, but I'll say that I think they both can be stern, but I think they can both be really nice as well. I think that, you know, I have so much respect for both of those men. And they both taught me so many things, even in different ways. But I think that's actually what I loved the most about training there is I got two sides of things. I got 
two two perspectives and it it, uh, it let me adapt my psychology into being a mixture of both of them um and you know i like they're they're honestly they're like the father figures of my life like i i am very thankful to everything they've done because honestly i, I would not be here without them i wouldn't be in ring of honor had bubba not been around he was a big big focus point on why I even decided to go to my first Ring of Honor shows. Okay. Well, I didn't realize that, but yeah, I mean, I think those two, um, like you said, I mean, if you're going to train there, you know that you're learning from two seasoned professionals who really know what they're doing. And anybody who comes through that Academy is going to be properly trained. So I I think you obviously made uh, the right decision in going there. As far as learning how to wrestle, though, did you have any kind of athletic background? Did you play any sports? Um, or was this just not like, at all? No, <laughs> <laughs> I had no interest in sports. My, my closest interest to a sport was wrestling. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I was a very prissy, diva-ish kind of girl going into this wrestling uh, environment. So I think especially people were like, uh, are you sure about this? Like, I don't, know, I don't know if you're tough enough. But I think what, what a lot of people don't realize about me is whether I come off as fragile or feminine or weak or, you know, all those, those things that people think when they see me, uh, they don't realize how much heart I have and how much passion I have. And um, nothing motivates me more than being told I can't do something. I actually thrive on that. I love when someone tells me there's no way you can do this because it, it really brings me so much pleasure and joy to look at someone and be like, um, you were wrong. I did this on my own. And uh, thank you very much. Right. And yeah, regardless of, of what, you know, you may look like or whatever, I think there is, you know, like you said, oh, maybe people don't think you're tough or this or that. Look, if you can handle wrestling training especially at a high level like 3d academy i mean we've talked about it so many times on this podcast of people who have you know when they were training they saw plenty of people come and quit on their first day you know just come one time and never come back even if they had paid a lot of money to train there's like nah, i can't handle it it's not enough or it's, it's too much for me uh but the fact that you stuck it out and yeah i don't think anyone can ever uh, question your toughness you wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation if, uh, if you didn't have that, that mental and physical toughness because it's, you need both. 100%, you know, and, uh, and like I said, you know, going from 3D to the ROH dojo, like that was such a big jump for me. That was like a culture shock, um, you know, just to go from thinking that, you know, I could only do certain things, but the Ring of Honor Dojo like opened up so many more opportunities for me and it showed me to believe in myself. Like it, it brought out a, a different side of me even more. So that's a great point though. What, what was it? I mean, so you really trained in, you had, I guess you had your introductory sort of training and then you graduated the team 3d and then you furthered your education at the ROH Dojo. What was the biggest difference do you think between what you learned at uh, 3D and, and then the training at the, uh, at the ROH dojo? I think that biggest difference was, you know, 
at 3D, my focus was more as a manager, even though I was having matches here and there, um, it really wasn't my full focus. My attention wasn't on wrestling. It was on being a good manager. And at one point, I even thought maybe being the best interviewer possible. Uh, so I started doing a lot of interview work on the indies. And that was that was more of my focus. When I got to the Ring of Honor Dojo, uh, you know, at the time, they they didn't see me as a wrestler either. They even told me, like, if you want to stay in Florida, you'll still be part of this dojo and you can come down when we have events and we'll still have you at shows. Um, but you don't have to come here and train like you're not a wrestler. Um, but I told myself and I didn't, that didn't sit right with me. You know, I, I thought like, if I'm going to be part of this dojo and I'm, I'm going to be invited to it, I want to be there as much as possible and learn as much as possible, no matter what role I end up, you know, no, no matter what avenue I go in, I wanted to be there and learn as much as I could. Uh, so I made the jump. I decided to to leave Orlando and come down to Baltimore um, well, actually come up, but come up to Baltimore and, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I'm glad that I did because even though, again, the, the training there was very intense in comparison, uh, working at 3D, I would work with a lot of beginners, people that were just starting or intermediate people that didn't have a whole lot of experience on shows where when I came into the dojo, these were all people that were already very polished. Right. These were people that were very accomplished, like good wrestlers. They knew what they were doing. This was, it was more of a finishing school. And I was not at their level when I first started there. I know I wasn't. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is uh, intense. This is hardcore. And the thing is, you know, no matter who you are, female, male like they're gonna treat you the same at the ring of honor dojo like you are gonna get in there and you are gonna wrestle like one of the guys yep so i think for me at first that was tough that was like oh okay i don't know if uh, what i'm signing up for like and uh, i was definitely definitely a little taken aback but i think the moment that really changed for me was I remember having a conversation with someone uh, and uh, things weren't going so well in the ring. And someone that I looked up to at the time had told me, look, I don't think this is for you. I think that you should focus on not being in the ring, maybe do ring announcing. You should, you know, focus on, you know, they were a little dismissive to me, focus on being pretty. Um, and uh, that that really like stung me. That hurt me. That was like, what? Like, uh, that's not all I'm good for. I'm not here just to be a pretty face or look look sexy. Like, my my goal is to be successful. And uh, I remember having one of the coaches come up to me after that and telling me like, don't give up. Do not listen to that person. You can do this if you put in the time and the effort you can make this happen. Don't let all the other people stop you. And I'll always be thankful to that person because they changed my life. They changed my outlook. And I started giving so much more of myself in that ring. I started giving 
110%. And I actually got pretty good, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I got pretty good, you know, like, I think the the biggest moment that that really made me proud was, you know, some of my colleagues from Team 3D Academy, they got accepted into the dojo. And I remember they they would have matches with me or they'd watch me wrestle and they'd be like, wow, Amy, you're not a diva anymore. (laughs) You're a wrestler. Like you have come so far. And that, that really, that sticks with me. That makes me so proud. Well, and that is the ultimate compliment. And, and clearly, you know, you were unsure about this yourself, as you said, when, they, when it was first presented to you, being a wrestler or learning how to wrestle and not just being a manager. Um, so you had that own, you know, that your own kind of maybe self-doubt. But then to get to, to, to the point now where, you know, you've, you've seen the improvement, you've weathered the, the storm kind of, I guess is sort of a way to put it. And, uh, and, you know, your peers now recognize that uh, you've put in that work and that you're good at what you do. So I know that has to be incredibly satisfying for you. And as you mentioned, the Ring of Honor Dojo is, um, this is not, like you said, it's like a finishing school. You're in there with people who know what they're doing. And, um, but, you know, on the other hand, while that may be, I guess, sort of intimidating, it also makes you better because you're in there with people better than you. And that, that means you have to get better. 100%, you know, uh, it's no secret, but I trained with a lot of people like uh, Doug Draper, Brian Johnson, Joe Keys, Dante Caballero. You know, there's, there's so many talented people, SOS. They were all so much higher of a level and skill than me. And I, I'm very thankful to them for, for working with me and, and letting me train with them because just through working with them, I was able to pick up so much stuff and become so much better myself. And, you know, especially with the coaches, you know, Jonathan Gresham, Will Ferrara, they, they are so talented. They're so skilled. And they really, like, they proved to me that I could do it. They showed me, they always believed in me and they really brought out everything that was always there that I never knew and I never believed in. They were able to bring that out in me. All right, well, we're going to take another break and then I want to continue this conversation about your uh, in-ring career. So we'll take that break and then we'll be back with more with Amy Rose right after this. I'm Quinn McKay, the host of Ring of Honor's weekly YouTube show, Week by Week. Join me every Tuesday for brand new episodes as we catch up on all of the groundbreaking ROH news and get exclusive comments from some of your favorite ROH stars. We also have some great weekly segments like Question of the Week, This Day in History, and Brian Zane's Top 5. Join me every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on social media and youtube.com slash ringofhonor for Week by Week. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is the Diamond Diva, the manager slash valet uh, slash whatever she wants to be known as uh, of La Faction and Gobernable, Amy Rose. Going back to your uh, your in-ring career, I think I'm, I may have been on commentary for your first match in Future of Honor. Uh, it was against Gia Scott. Was that actually your very first match? So it wasn't my 
first ever match, but it was definitely in my eyes, my first match that I really had because any other match I had before, I definitely was not as prepared as I was for that moment. Um, and I, I consider everything I did before, I would say I was a manager trying to wrestle where going into that match with Gia Scott, I felt like a wrestler going into wrestle. Right. Right. And, and I think, as, as someone who was sitting there watching it, and like I said, doing commentary on it, uh, it didn't seem like it was one of your first matches, or it was your first match, I guess, for Future of Honor slash Ring of Honor. Uh, mm-hmm. I, but looking back on it, and this was only a couple years ago, this was 2019. Um, looking back on it, how do you think uh, you did for your very first, well, again, not your very first match, but your first match, like you said, on, on I guess, that big of a stage? Um, like when you look back on it, what do you think? Have you watched it back? Oh, I actually watched it back recently and I am pretty proud of myself, you know, again, uh, looking at where I was before and, and just how unprepared I was and how I wasn't fully confident in myself back then. I was very trepidatious. I was very nervous. I was very like, Oh, I don't know if I want to really, go in there and get beat up like uh, um where with this one I felt good I felt like all right that's just part of wrestling like you're gonna get pretty beat up in there but you just gotta give it your all so I look at that match and I'm very proud and I'm actually really thankful to Gia Scott because she she was one hell of a first opponent yeah I thought you and Gia really did you had a good match and and she's not um Gia is not the most experienced wrestler in the world either. So I know she had had some more experience than you did at that point, but she's young and and she hadn't been wrestling for a a long time either. And I think for two people who, you know, aren't seasoned pros who've been doing this forever, uh, it it did come off really well. And I think that's a testament, you know, to you guys and your ability, but also, you know, I think the training that you both got and, uh, you know, Gia trained at the MCW pro wrestling, uh, training center, which, um, you know, a lot of the guys that you mentioned earlier, Joe Keys, SOS, Dante mm-hmm. Caballero, uh, Ken Dixon, they all came through the NCW uh, training center. So, yeah, I think that was, um, I might even say pleasantly surprised, I think, how, how well that match really did go. Uh, there was another match that you had, and, and my memory's fuzzy, so correct me if I'm wrong. Was there another match, uh, a Future of Honor match, where the finish was screwed up and the wrong person went over. <laughs> that, that happened, right? Um, that might have happened, yes. That might have happened. Um, I don't know if you want to – yeah, let's talk about it. Why not, right? We're going to pull back the curtain. Sure. Um, I don't remember <laughs> the specifics of it, but what happened? I can't remember. But uh, I, and this is a good lesson to tell people that things don't always go as planned. And, you know, you can have the match all worked out. Like, you know the finish. You're going to go in there. You know the spots. But then things happen and audibles have to be called. 100%. I think, uh, you know, it was just a a miscommunication. And uh, the level, again, of experience of the three of us wasn't at the top. It was definitely at least two of ours first ever triple threat match. So I think that was like really tough. Um, Yeah, those aren't, there's a lot going on with three. Yeah, triple threats, those are something else. Those are yeah. not the easiest type of match to have, especially when your experience level is not, not super high. Um, because originally, 
I think it had been, uh, it was scheduled to be a tag. Um, and then something happened where it ended up turning into a singles, which I felt real comfortable doing. Um, but then it turned into a triple threat and things just got a little, little messy. And, you know, uh, it was definitely unexpected. I was actually even surprised that it went the way that it went. I was, I was a little caught off guard. Um, but it, like you said, it was 100% a learning lesson. I think I remember being pretty upset at the end and, and feeling disappointed in myself because I wasn't able to think quickly enough to, to fix it or to save the scenario. Um, but it did teach me that things happen sometimes and you got to just keep going. You can't, you can't sit there. The people that like to don't have boo-boo face. Like you gotta, you gotta just keep smiling and keep moving on and keep rolling with the punches. So that's the biggest lesson I learned from that scenario. So let's talk about uh, the women's division in Ring of Honor. As we all know, uh, we were supposed to have a, a new a champion crowned a year ago, right back in April. We were going to start the Quest for Gold tournament. And that, like everything else, got put on hold. We haven't sort of rebooted or restarted the women's division yet, but I'm sure we will uh, in, probably in the near future. Uh, is that something that you're thinking about doing Obviously, you've said you love managing or being a valet or whatever term we want to use. You love being with LFI. Do you want to be a part of actually the Women of Honor roster as far as getting in there on a more uh, regular basis? You know, I think that's something I'm still debating and something that I'm still thinking about myself. There's so much going on right now with my managing career. And I like to focus my attention on my champions. But there is that side of me that really wants to go out there and show everyone how, how much I've improved. You know, I want to I show the world how much better of a wrestler I've become. But I also want to get in there and keep getting better. I want to keep growing. And I'm also, I'm so proud of our company. And I want to be an even bigger part. And I want to show that the women in our company are very important as well. You know, women of honor, you know, the women of honor is no longer a thing, but ring of honors women division is, is going to be really good when it does come back. And I'm excited for that. I know that, that the fans, that's something that they're really wanting. They want to see the girls come back. So I think down the line, I would hundred percent could see myself in that ring. And who knows, I, I might even look into having a female client someday. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. I haven't thought, I didn't think about that. But yeah, why, why not? Why not? That's something you don't see a whole lot of, I guess, right? Is a woman managing another woman. So definitely don't see that a lot. But I, I, on my independent career, I definitely managed a lot of my good friends. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite people that I ever got to manage, uh, Camille, NWA, one of my best friends. Uh, I absolutely loved being her manager. It was so much fun. So I can definitely see, see something like that in my future, possibly. I want to ask you about a storyline that you did. It was really your first storyline in Ring of Honor uh, with Kenny King and uh, the whole blindness angle that he was doing. Uh, we talked just you know a few minutes earlier about how sometimes 
things go unexpected, like in a match and you have to call an audible. Sometimes the best storylines or angles aren't things that are necessarily planned, right? And from what I understand, you being part of the Kenny King, well, the whole angle to begin with uh, wasn't anything that was necessarily planned and it just kind of took on a life of its own, life of its own. Is that, is that correct? That is 100% correct. Um, I don't even know if he planned to go past that first night. Um, and I just remember being backstage, getting ready to ring the bell, uh, and Kenny asking me, like, hey, I could really use some help getting to the ring. Do you want to come with me? And when that happened, it just caught fire. People were so entertained by it. They thought it was hilarious. Uh, and it just kept going. They kept bringing me out there with him. And it brought on a life of its own. And that's something that was a total accident. I don't think it was meant to be more than one night. And it just turned into its own thing. And it helped me elevate from that, you know, being timekeeper to finally becoming an official manager. Absolutely. I think I was there that first night. Was it in, was it maybe in Philly that it first started? I think it was somewhere either Philly or maybe Columbus, something like that. Like one of those, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> I think it was Philly. And I remember being backstage and just watching Kenny, you know, put on the sunglasses and he had the big stick. And then, you know, then I think that's, yeah, that's the first night that, uh, that you came out with him. And I, I thought like when I saw it, I was like, man, there, there's something here. Like that was just so damn entertaining. And then when Kenny would get on commentary and, I can't even pronounce the procedure that he was going to have done some kind of, do you remember that the procedure was going to have done on his eyes to get his <laughs> Yeah, I definitely do. And I, I would say, you know, like, again, it was so unexpected, but it was hilarious. I, I had to control myself going out there with him sometimes because I really couldn't help but laugh. He, well, it was great he, too. he is very entertaining. Yeah, he is. But it, you know, it was great too, because it gave you, um, you know, we didn't know Amy Rose's personality for the most part. We saw her sitting at ringside and ringing the bell and, you know, she looked good and, and all, but we didn't know anything really, you know, we kind of assumed, you know, since you're at ringside, you were probably a, you know, a baby face. And so that was what made it interesting too, is like, you didn't, you weren't a heel or anything like that, but yet Kenny was trying to pull one over on anybody on, on, pull one over on everybody, I should say. Um, and then we gradually saw like your character develop to the point where, you know, you, you weren't this uh, fair minded person ringing the bell, but like you were perfectly willing to go along with Kenny's uh, subterfuge here and trying to make everyone believe he's blind. So I think it was, it was good. I mean, it was, it was something that was entertaining, but it created a new character in yourself. 100% it helped me you know find myself I looked at the motivation that I had and I looked at it as you know at the end of the day just like I am in real life like sometimes you got to do whatever it takes to to make your dreams come true and take whatever opportunity comes your way and uh, it's funny enough but the first match I ever actually got to be involved in and become like a manager was against Dragon Lee so it's crazy to think you know from there to now how different things have gone. It's, it's yeah. wild. Full circle there. Wasn't one of your first kind of heelish acts with Kenny? Didn't you like um, cost Jay Lethal a match or something like that? I did. We were at oh. Best in the World and it That's was their best of three series. Uh-huh. 
and uh, even that that was like such a big moment for me like I was just like wow I can't believe I'm even part of this like I know right to the franchise of Ring of Honor and Kenny another you know long time uh, veteran of Ring of Honor big star and then yeah you, you were the you're a big factor in that match but I guess Jay never forgot about it that's maybe that's why he took you out during that uh that dive out of the ring Maybe it was on, <laughs> he acted like it wasn't on purpose but maybe he remembered <laughs> Oh, uh, you think? You think he did that on purpose? Be, there is something know. to that. He might have. Yeah, I guess maybe he has a long memory, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask you, though, we, we've talked about the, the whole bell ringing thing. Um, mm -hmm. I would see you sitting there at ringside. I, you sat next to Bobby Cruz. Sometimes, you know, Carrie Silken was there as, as well. Were you, what were you guys talking about? Like, sitting there through the course of a whole show, um, what's going on? Are they like, are they telling you stories? Are there jokes being told? W what's that like being there? Um, all I'm going to say is that is the best seat in the house. There's not two people you would rather be sitting next to. They're so funny. Um, I would be laughing hysterically from the beginning to the end of the show, just because they are so entertaining. They're really funny guys. Carrie would tell me a lot of really good stories and Bobby's always got something to say, you know how he is. So <laughs> he, um, but I would say those were some of the funnest times and also just getting to be right there in front of all the action. It was always such a exciting thing. And, and just to feel the audience always feeling their energy. Like I loved being at ringside and it was, it was also sometimes really dangerous. Like, yeah. There, there'd be some times where someone would go barreling through our table and we had no idea it was coming uh, or I'd have to run for my life. So it was, uh, it was definitely more challenging than you would think it was. Well, and as far as ringing the bell, and people are going to laugh at this, right? Because it seems like, oh, that's the easiest job in the world. But I've seen matches, I've seen shows or been on them or even watching on mm -hmm. TV where sometimes the bell rings before it's supposed to. Um, did that ever happen to you? Was there ever a point where like you jumped there, the gun and rang the bell? There's definitely a moment, um, that will always stick out to me, but, uh, we were, I think it was like the or New Orleans show. It was, uh, I believe it was super card and it was for the women of honor title. The first one ever. I remember that when I went to ring the bell, it was a hot start. And so because of the hot start, it was so loud in the ring that the bell ring I did wasn't loud enough. And the entire match, I was being yelled out by thousands of fans. We were packed. It was a packed arena. Thousands of fans yelling, ring the bell, ring the bell. And I felt so so bad I felt like oh my god and like I just remember so much anxiety I was like sweating I was like oh my god I ruined this match like you know they were going hard with it ring the bell like five minutes in ring the I was like yo can you guys stop like <laughs> it, it uh it definitely was a, a, a tough moment for me but you know it definitely taught me always be on time and I think as it was funny, once I stopped doing the bell and other people were starting to do it, I'd have production come up to me all the time and be like, we miss you on the bell. You were so good at it. Like, these people do not know how to do this. 
Um, and like you said, it's a very important thing. Like you don't realize it. I think a lot of people think like, oh, they'll just put, you know, whatever girl and you ring the bell and it's easy. It's pretty stressful. Like you got to make sure your time is right. And you got to be actually paying attention to the show because you could easily look into the crowd and totally miss your cue. Absolutely. It's not, it, it, it's like anything. I mean, there are no easy jobs really in wrestling. Like everything is about timing and cues and, and everything else. And ringing the bell is a big part. Like I, you know, we've all seen instances where the bell got rung maybe when it wasn't supposed to, or, you know, wasn't rung when it was supposed to be, you know, it's like, it's happened. It's definitely happened. Definitely. So another, another skill. And, uh, and it's a, uh, it's an overlooked job. The, you know what they always used to call it? The time they used to say the timekeeper at the bell. But we don't. Were you the timekeeper as well? There's never really such thing as a timekeeper in Ring of Honor, is there? Um. So at least not in the the front end. I think you know backstage. There's always going to be someone actually keeping time, producers. Right. Um. But on on the actual bell, I never had like a stopwatch. I wasn't actually timing the matches or anything. Right. I was just following my cues and waiting for the right moment to ring bells. That's that's what I was doing. I right. think if I would have had to do timekeeping, I would have been even more stressed out. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Well, before we uh, get to our 10 questions segment after the next break, there's two more things I have to ask you about, uh, which is because I know they're passions of yours, which uh, are gaming and music. And I know that those are two things you're passionate about. So, I'll start with gaming, um, but the problem is I don't know anything about gaming. So, uh, you know, I, I really don't have a lot to contribute to this conversation. But for the people out there, I'm sure there's plenty of listeners out there who are big gamers. So what are some of your favorite games? Definitely. Uh, you know, it's no secret. Uh, most people already know, but I absolutely love Pokemon. It is the first game that I ever got to not have to share. Like uh, my, I had an older brother growing up um, and he, uh, he actually went out of his way. He said, hey, look, these, these new games came out. They're called Pokemon. I have the red one. You can have this blue one. And I said, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I fell in love with the game. And it's been a big part of my life, honestly. Like uh, uh, I've been collecting Pokemon for now 25 years. So... I would say uh, that's 100% my favorite game. I would also say like uh, anything in the Final Fantasy series are really good games. Again, I know you don't know much about gaming, but I don't. Um, but those are really games. good. Do you like the wrestling, wrestling games? Are awesome, and that's actually another reason I got into wrestling. That was a big part of why I was such a big fan too. Uh, I played all the wrestling games, all the SmackDown versus Raw you know, all the 2K, like I was obsessed with those games to the point where, uh, you know, most people would probably think I was really crazy. They'd be like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, um, <laughs> but I would, uh, I would, I would literally, I have notebooks full of matches from Raw, SmackDown, like all these shows. I would watch them live. I would write down every single match and every result exactly how it happened. And then I'd go on to my PlayStation and I'd replay the entire show. I, I love that. That is awesome. Even not being yeah. a gamer, I think that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I was, I was obsessed. I would play every single match back and I would make sure that to do the finish however it was supposed to go. 
And if whatever wrestler wasn't in the game, I would go and make them. Like I, I was, I, oh man, I was, I was obsessed with wrestling. I would make the move sets as much as accurate as possible. The entrances, like I was very devoted to that. Now was <laughs> have you was Amy Rose ever a playable character? Oh, for ever, sure. Okay, yeah. I, uh, I remember my first character I ever made, and I had to be like a little kid, so it's actually really funny. Um, but my first character ever was in a Playboy Bunny cost- costume with pink hair. Um, and I, I named my character Bunny. And like, I was like, yes, like, this is going to be me someday. Like, it's uh, hilarious to think back. Wow. And look at that. You, you, <laughs> you, you made it come true, even though you haven't actually wrestled as Bunny. But um, hey, who knows? Maybe that's nice. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> All right, so let me then move on to music. Uh, you've said that music is your boyfriend. I've heard you, I think you said that to me once, or it's on your Twitter profile. Um, what kind of music are you into? Is there one specific kind, or is it, do you have eclectic tastes? All, like, what are you into? Um, I'd say, you know, my taste in music, I like a lot of things, but I really lean more towards like pop, pop, pop rock. Uh, you know, sometimes some metal gets thrown in there. I definitely like rap. But the thing that's most consistent with my taste in music is that I'd say about a good 90% of my library is female artists. I just, I'm drawn to their writing style and I can relate to them so much more. So I listen to a lot of women of different genres. But I'd say like the reason I say music is my boyfriend and the reason I love music so much is because I feel like life without music would be so terrible. It would be, oh my God, like just the most boring thing ever. Uh, you can capture so much emotion and so much energy in a song and how you were feeling when you wrote it and the melodies. Like it's just, to me, there's few things in the world more beautiful than music. And um, before I even got into wrestling, I was huge into the Miami music scene. I would, oh man, like I used to go to so many wrestling shows, but the way I used to go to music shows, I'd be at like three or four shows a week, like all the time. I I followed so many different bands. I was friends with so many people in the music industry. And it was funny because I didn't play a single instrument. I did not sing, but people knew me because I was always around. Well, it's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you is, is have you ever been into uh, singing or playing an instrument or anything like that? And so you, you're just, you're a fan of music, but you never actually got involved in it yourself. Not to that extent. I, I tried to learn guitar in high school and my hands said, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's really rough on on your hands. And I was like, oh, I'm good on that. I'm, I'm, this is too much work. Like I couldn't put the devotion into that. Um, like I thought I could. And as far as singing, you know, it's funny. I really wished I could have been in a band. I actually tried to start one in high school. Um, but my singing is just not there. Uh, as much as I love to sing, I am not a talented singer, unfortunately. Well, you know what? I think nowadays, and I sound like an old guy when I say that. Well, nowadays, um, you have to even really be that good. I mean, the way they can auto tune and do all these different things and people lip sync. I mean, 
you don't even actually, have to actually you know that's a good point um <laughs> my new album will be out next weekend <laughs> keep you guys posted let me get right into the studio after this all right well that is uh that's all i have for you uh, as far as our regular questions so why don't we take our last break and then when we come back i'll ask you more questions 10 of them exactly Experience the show that's thrilling critics and fans. ROH TV. The reviews are in. It's completely different than anything in pro wrestling. I enjoyed every minute of this show. ROH TV delivers. Valiant Saint Raves. Take my money. This was awesome. Join the ROH stars for the hashtag WatchROH Watch Party every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Watch ROH TV. Start by visiting ROHWrestling.com and using our zip code lookup tool to find your local listings. We aren't in your area? Don't worry. You can catch us on digital channels such as Stadium and Stir City as well as Fight.tv. ROH TV also airs every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Best on the Planet, our newly launched 24-7 streaming channel, which is available on Stir and Plex. The newest episode of ROH TV is always free on ROHWrestling.com and the Ring of Honor app. Ring of Honor has never been easier to watch. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast. My guest is Amy Rose. Amy, it's time to play 10 questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. All right, question number one. Uh, Since we just talked about music, do you remember the first concert that you attended? 100%. The first concert I ever went to, I won tickets on the radio for Good Charlotte. And okay. uh, I thought I was so cool. I was like this little punk kid. I was like, yeah, this is going to be so fun. And like, it was very um, pop and uh, people were moshing, but it was like not anything crazy. But yeah, Good Charlotte. Now, were you in the mosh pit? I definitely was in the mosh pit. I've been in quite a few. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, that'll prepare you for the rest of you. Take some bumps in there. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Although uh, I really just like pushing people. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I tended to shy away from the mosh pits. I, I really don't like all that, you know, people running into me. I, like, I want to punch somebody in the face when they do that. That's not, <laughs> not, not, a, not a good, like, I just can't get into it. All right. Question number two. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, living or dead, who would it be? You know, I think I would just want to talk to my favorite singer is uh, Gwen Stefani. I love her. Uh, She has written so many different songs that have hit me on a personal level. So I'd love to have a conversation with her and get to know her. Okay. Good choice. All right, question number three. Do you have a phobia? Anything that you're afraid of? Uh, Failure. Mm. I am deeply afraid of failure. I am a very ambitious person. So the idea of uh, not being successful terrifies me, and that's why I work so hard. Yeah, and I think that's what motivates, uh, I guess, a lot of people who are successful is, uh, is that fear of failure. All right, question number four. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in its existence? 
Um, I definitely believe in its existence. I don't know that I've actually had any kind of paranormal. I think maybe as a kid, I imagined something, I'm sure. Um, but I definitely do believe in there being some kind of evil spirit out there because you feel energy sometimes that you're just like, I don't, I don't play with that. That's why sometimes when I watch uh, horror movies, if it's like a slasher and it's someone coming to kill you, that doesn't, that doesn't worry me. If it's something you can't see and it's some kind of demonic thing, that will freak me out. Huh. Okay. See, I'm the exact opposite. I don't get scared of ghost stories because I don't necessarily believe in their existence. But if it's like a real person who's coming to kill me, that I believe. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you with, you were on that, when you went to Vegas, you went to the Haunted Museum, didn't you? Zach Baggins Museum? Yes, we did. Okay. So Mandy said that she got scratched in there. Now, did you actually witness this? Did you see the scratch? So I did see the scratch on her arm, but I don't know if it was a paranormal scratch or if someone in there might have been afraid and scratched her by accident. Yeah, I guess there's no way to know for sure. <laughs> but don't, I, I know she she really believes she was scratched. Let's not tell her that it's... Let's, let's never say that I said that. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question number five. Are you a dog person, a cat person, both or neither? I would say I'm 100% leaning towards dog person. I love dogs. I'm just so happy to see you. Uh, I desperately want a dog. It just doesn't work with my schedule, unfortunately. Um, but I definitely love dogs. But that being said, I think cats are really cute. But I've never really had a cat for a long period of time. So I don't know what that entails. Yeah, yeah. Personality goes a long way. Dogs have a lot of personality, so I'm I, I'm totally with you on that. All right. Question number six: Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something that um, you're good at that we don't know? Now you've told us it's not playing the guitar, it's not singing. Is there something <laughs> that you're good at that we don't know? Uh, I think I'm just really good at convincing people to do what I want them to do. Uh, like Ooh. I said, I'm I, I have a talent for sales and so that really taught me how to get my way i guess <laughs> so i'd say i'm very very good at convincing people i'm very i'm very persuasive okay well that, that's definitely a talent no doubt about that all right question number seven do you have a guilty pleasure is there something that you like that you're a fan of that maybe you wouldn't want to admit um there's two things I could say to that. Uh, one of those being reality TV. I love trashy reality TV probably more than anything. Uh, just because, I don't know, there's something so entertaining about watching like two middle-aged rich housewives claw each other up and, oh man, like it's just so funny to me to watch people just like totally unravel uh, for fame. So I, I find reality TV to be very pleasurable. Uh, I also really enjoy fast food. I don't like to eat it often anymore just because you got to be, you know, in the best shape possible. But fast food, Taco Bell, I love you. <laughs> well, you know what? Every now and then you got to treat yourself. I'm a big, big believer in that. So yeah, you want a chalupa, you want some, uh, have at it. Just don't do it every day, right? Definitely. All right, question number eight. What's the last show that you binge watched? 
So right now I'm actually still doing it, but we've been binge, watch, uh, binge watching The Sopranos. I've never seen it before and I'm obsessed. Like to me, I'm actually upset with myself that I didn't watch it sooner. It is awesome. I love the story. I love everything about it. It's so cool. How far into it are you at this point? Uh, I'm on the last season right now. We're almost done with part A and then we're going into part B and that's it. And I'll be kind of sad that it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number nine. Do you cook? And if so, what is your specialty? So I cook sometimes, but not often. Um, but I would say my specialty, I'm pretty good at making some Cuban steak. It's called a palomia steak. That would be my signature dish. I love that food. That's my favorite meal. So what what's what makes a Cuban steak a Cuban steak? Like what's what's what what is special about that? Uh, Other it's than the a regular cut steak. of the meat. Yeah, it's the cut of the meat. It's the seasoning. Um, I it's a very I guess Cuban and Miami thing uh, to season and even when you eat the steak to put a lot of lime on there. Huh. Okay. Lime, lime is the secret. All right, question number 10, our final question. What is the best advice that you've been given about the wrestling industry and who gave it to you? Um, I think the best advice I ever received was don't get excited about something until it's happening. Uh, which, you know, there's so much in wrestling that doesn't go as planned. There's so much stuff that, all right, we're doing this. But until it's actually happening, it's it's really hard to get excited about stuff because again, things change a lot and the disappointment you'll feel from that can really affect your mentality. Uh, you know, it's actually, Bubba taught me that and I I will always remember and hold on to that. Yeah, and it's so true in, in the wrestling business. Until it happens, it hasn't happened. That's the best way to put yep. it. All right. Well, Amy, before we wrap up, can you give us your social media information where people can follow you? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RumbleBunny777. That's it. <laughs> okay. All right. So what, you know, this may show my age again. I don't know. But what what is a Rumble Bunny exactly? Oh, that's just the name I came up with on my own. Oh, I, okay. I wanted something that represented cute but also still had like a wrestling side to it so like something that's tough but still very cute okay this is not the bunny that you were in the uh in the video game it's a different bunny not the same it's not the same but uh it definitely has the inspiration okay <laughs> all right well amy uh i really appreciate you giving me so much of your time today i, I really appreciate you guys having me it was a pleasure all right, and I want to thank everybody out there for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin Eck saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.